All right. I am going live with you all right now, and uh, I'm also going live on YouTube. Um, this is my first time going live, so I hope, on YouTube at least, so I hope everything is going to turn out swimmingly and go well. But I wanted to talk with you all because it is Halloween, and uh, I think there's often this dichotomy of like, should we be celebrating Halloween and is this something that's really Christian? But I just want to stop and pause because so many things that we do as a culture, as a society, sometimes is reflective of a collective consciousness that's happening, right? Rather than something that we more overtly understand. So what do I mean by that? Okay. I think there are a lot of people who are living with ghosts in their house right now. And I'm not talking about literal ghosts. I'm talking about the ghost of failed dreams. I'm talking about the ghost of failed marriages, the ghost of sexual trauma, the ghost of domestic violence. In fact, yours might not even be a ghost. Yours might still be a living person at your house right now. So before we continue forward, I'm gonna drop this cool new intro for those watching on YouTube. And for those of you watching, All right, that was a fail, <laughs> but whatever. So I think what's so interesting about the fact that, you know, so many of us are living with ghosts in our house. And I think how we deal, and when I say ghosts, if those of you are just dropping in, I mean the ghost of failed marriages, the ghost of trauma, physical trauma, sexual trauma, uh, the ghost of, like I said, failed dreams. I mean, that's a real thing. I mean, the older you get as a person, right? If you woke up today and you said, God, how did I get here in my life? And it wasn't a pleasant thing that you were saying. You weren't like, I'm so glad that I'm here. But you're like, where did I take a left turn? And how did I get to this point in, in history, point in time? Because this is not what I imagined my life to be. There are ghosts that are there. And I think Halloween is so reflective of kind of how we deal with trauma as a nation, how we deal with trauma as a Western civilized society, right? So how do we deal with trauma? Well, first thing is we dress it up, right? Like I'm going to be somebody else. I'm going to be someone new. I'm going to be cute. I do this and I love doing it. I love getting dressed up. Yesterday, I could not find the motivation to clean my house. So I put on a pair of heels and some music and I was like, let's go, right? But... <laughs> Obviously, that's not a solution for how to how to deal uh, with trauma. You know that that's definitely not a solution. And then the second part, you know, looking at Western culture, um, we we say, okay, tickle my dopamine, right? Give me candy, uh, like like let me somehow run from the pain. So you have the dress up part. One, let me be somebody else. Let me somehow dress up the pain. Let me somehow uh, be a different person. Let me somehow be able to escape from the world that I live in daily. So, I mean, this goes into a lot of areas of our life, right? So this will contribute to the fact that why are we spending money that we don't have? Why are we trying to live a life that's outside of our means? A lot of times we're dealing with ghosts in the house, right? Unprocessed pain, pain that we have not yet sat and dealt with and given over to God. So, and the second part of that 
is, like I said, it's, it's the candy, the dress up and then the candy. And the candy is all about like, let me forget my problems, right? Let me somehow go on a pleasure hunt. Uh, and, and I mean, if you look at our society, think about this. Is it any, is it like, is it any mystery why we have such a huge opioid crisis? Why so many people are addicted to porn, right? So many people are dealing with sexual addictions or food addictions or like name it, right? Uh, prescription drugs. I mean, these are all ways that people are trying to process undealt with pain. God, I'm 30 years old and I'm not where I thought I would be in life. How do I deal with this? God, my marriage dissolved. I'm single. This is not what I imagined my life to be. God, I live in a one-bedroom apartment and with some dinky furniture that I thought I was going to be financially more well-off at this part in my life, or I thought I was going to have that child, or whatever it is those things are for us, those expectations that we have for life that are failed, those become, you know, the ghost of Christmas past, but in this case, uh, the ghost of Halloween, right? And so I just want to take a look at that because even when it comes to, can we even afford to spend time processing our pain? Well, um, I, I'm a contractor, right? So I work not, like I don't have real job security in that sense. So like if I get sick, I get sick and I'm not going to get paid. I better put in my hours or you're not getting paid. So many people cannot afford to process the pain that they've been through, um, whether that is because, you know, they're working 80 hours a week and, and they're working at a minimum wage job. This is a real reality, right? How many of you have taken a mental health day? Somebody in the chat, uh, uh, have, if you've taken a mental health day in the last three months, and if you needed to, did you feel like you had permission to? Or did you just like drink a cup of coffee and say, okay, I'm getting over this and I gotta, I gotta move forward, right? There are so many ghosts in our house that we have not been able to apply, you know, the, 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 the saving grace of the Holy Ghost, right? Of, of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, right? Like we haven't been able to clean our house because we haven't had time to think about it. We haven't had time to process it. And so we're still living haunted. Now that is really what I think, you know, why we should celebrate Halloween. We're going to get into this. One, it happens in the same month that the Day of Atonement happens in, right? Uh, I can afford to do that, although I have not taken a mental health day. Thank you for writing. And then um, I'm glad that you can afford to do that. And so that's something. But the fact that you don't feel the permission, right, to say, I'm going to take a mental health day if I need it. I'm just going just gonna to stay busy. I think that's kind of the American way of processing trauma. Stay busy. Dress it up. Candy. Avoidance. Has everything to do with not sitting in the pain. But it's so interesting because... Halloween, you know, it happens in the same month that the Day of Atonement happens in, right? Um, Day of Atonement, I think it, it, it's, it's around the same day every year, but it switches because it's based on cycles where Halloween is like a specific day, right? So biblically, the Day of Atonement was a day of affliction. It was a day of introspection. It was a day of sitting almost in grief. 
And it was bringing also that grief to the foot of Jesus and knowing that he was going to make all things new. That's why the next celebration was the Feast of Tabernacles and it was a joyous celebration. It was like, okay, everything is pardoned. I have a clean slate. I have a new opportunity to make things new. So what's interesting is looking, taking Halloween from a biblical perspective, Western culture, we do not have a culture of lament. Now, what is lament? We don't spend time wailing in prayer. And maybe you're not an emotional person, and that's okay, right? And that's, you know, that's fine. But there is a legal covenant that God has where he says, if my people cry to me, I will answer them. And I think this is such a a key component of who God is. Jesus implemented lament in his ministry while he was here. Uh, When he talks about the cries of the oppressed, he is recognizing this covenant he's made with those who lament, those who vocalize their grief to God, because there is a legal indictment that happens in that vocalization. When you are vocalizing the grief of saying, I was done with injustice, whether you lost a loved one too soon, you are crying out against the injustice of death. Whether you've lost a job or someone mistreated you and you are now going through a divorce, God hears the lament and he says, if my people cry to me, I will hear them. And it actually gives a legal indictment to the person who caused the affliction. And God hears that in a covenantal way. All right. So that last part cut out. (laughs) Like I said, this is the first time I am using the live stream and I thought I backed it up on... Uh, a camera that I was recording internally on, but apparently the audio was not captured. So whatever, you know, there, there's a little been, there's been a little bit of a haunting <laughs> on this set today. But you know, we are calling it out, and you know, I think the enemy is mad that we are calling out uh, the way that we deal with grief in an unhealthy fashion. And how we are going to continue to to not find relief by perpetuating the cycles of dressing up our pain and self-medicating ourselves with things that stimulate our dopamine processes, right? That this is not finding healing and our homes are going to continue to stay haunted. So what I was saying about the whole lament is that, that God hears those laments. And it is a covenantal right for him to step into those places and to basically deliver uh, his relief, you know, to his people to take note of the oppressor and to do justice. And so for us to, to make a cry, for us to learn how to grieve the things in our past, the ghosts of our past, Learning to grieve the loss of a marriage, learning to grieve the traumas that have happened to us, learning to grieve the failed expectations. You know, speaking as a woman, which I can only do, <laughs> um, that is my lived experience. There is a time clock on a lot of women. You know, by the time you hit 18, you're not really thinking about it. By the time you hit 25 or 26, you're definitely thinking about it because, you know, 
being the ones to carry a child and having to remain fertile (laughs) in order for that to happen, women think of themselves as a ticking time clock, right? We think of ourselves as like, okay, I've got maybe until 45, but who, you know, I mean, even in literature, sorry, even in medical terminology, I think what, by the time you're 36, it's considered a geriatric pregnancy. I mean, <laughs> that that's so rude, by the way. That's just so rude. But, you know, women are considered old at 36. So the ghost of saying, I'm not at the point in my life where I thought I would be. I took some turns. I took some detours. I prioritized other people over my own dreams, other things over my own dreams. And I am grieving the fact I might be a 45-year-old mother, right? That was not what I expected. And that's not, you know, that was never the hope for me, but I'm okay. You know, only as we are willing to grieve and acknowledge the loss, can God begin to come in and do a work of healing, you know, do a work of healing that is so needed in this time, needed in this generation. We're dealing with COVID-19, right? And I think that's changed a lot of our expectations of what the world would be like for us, what the future would be like for us. There's a lot of uncertainty going around. There's a lot of failed dreams. And yet we're still expected to pick ourselves up and move forward like nothing else has ever happened. And it's not true. You know, we are dealing with a, you know, a certain type of depressed state, you know, as the future looks a little more bleak and coming back from this, we're not really sure what that's going to look like. It's altered our lives in so many ways. So how do we sit with that and acknowledge that and be gentle with ourselves in the process of grieving and not try and get up too quickly not try and fix it together too quickly because that's when we perpetuate these cycles of uh, dressing up our pain and medicating with candy. (laughs) So when we celebrate Halloween, you know, I think we don't honor the dead well. You know, Halloween is coming from originally, you know, Samahong, right? But really it's the Catholics who put it on the map. It was all Hallow's Eve, right? And it was looking at the remembrance of the saints, the hallowed ones. And uh, depending on your version of the state of the dead, what happens when you die? Are you in heaven or are you resting until the return of Christ? You know, Catholics believe that the saints were alive and in heaven and we were going to honor them. Um, some of the more non-popular saints, right? Their lives. And so, I mean, that, that's really the origin of Halloween. But when, when I say we don't honor the dead, I mean, we don't honor the dead in our own lives. We don't honor the trauma of the death of the people that we once thought we would be to who we are now. We don't honor that dream. We don't honor the little girl that died that day, that day of that horrific trauma, right? We don't honor the young woman who died that day when her husband began to beat her. We don't honor those traumatic deaths and say, I am a new 
person now and also honor the, the, the person that that was, you know, the hopeful expectancy, the innocence, and really saying this was a life that was taken and I'm going to do diligence to be outraged for that injustice. I'm going to do my due diligence to be an advocate for little girls and little boys just like her or him. I mean, that's what honoring the dead is. And so if we can find a way as Christians to really celebrate Halloween (laughs) and the way that it should be, you know, a lot of our houses would be a little less haunted than they are today. So thank you guys for listening in. Um, You can continue to listen to some more of these broadcasts. I will hopefully continue to be faithful and put one out every week. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Kendra Arsenault with an X at the end. I just want to thank the Adventist Learning Community for making this program possible. And thank you all for your time and for listening in.